0: What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. It's your boy, Paul J. Long, coming to you from the quarantine office. You guys know what it is. You're doing the same thing. COVID's got us all rethinking how we do business. Uh, And we got a gentleman that it's significantly impacted uh, in his business on today. But before I introduce him, uh, I would like to shout out to our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. They've been with us from the jump. Uh, if you guys have been uh, checking out social media, you may have recently seen on the Cincinnati Reds Twitter feed uh, that a lot of the guys in camp got a Black Lives Matter shirt made by Charlie Hustle. So from a Royals perspective, they got Wit, they got Dozier. I feel like somebody's missing. Uh, go to CharlieHustle.com. But to introduce this gentleman that is missing from the Charlie Hustle line, I would like to give a huge shout out to my favorite Royal, and I'll tell you why in a brief moment, the beautiful baby bear himself, Mr. Bradley <laughs> Keller. What's good, son?
1: What's going on? How are you doing, dude? I'm
0: on cloud nine. I, uh, dude, this has been a long time coming. We met uh, just about a year ago, like coming, yeah. like literally within the last week, a year ago, and uh, and you made a, a huge impact on me. And uh, before I tell you why, uh, I got to start the same question I ask every single guest: What do you do for fun, my friend?
1: Yeah, I mean, for for me, I'm a I'm a big uh golfer that's uh that's my thing to do believe it or not like straight from baseball straight to the golf course it's it's kind of a kind of a crazy ride i mean a lot of people think you know baseball wears you out but dude i'm I'm someone that has to be doing something all the time I, you know so i enjoy getting out there and being able to be active at all times and, and golf's my getaway
0: what uh what kind of handicap are you what, what you working with
1: uh, not, not very good. I mean, believe it or not, as much as I play, you'd think I'd get a little bit better, but honestly, I just like being out there with the guys and playing, but, um, I usually, I usually shoot somewhere in the eighties. So I'm probably about a 10 handicap 10 plus maybe. I mean, that's pretty so. good
0: considering I've never hit under a hundred, bruh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But then when I, when I go out there with like half the guys on our team, they're all shooting like two or three over and I'm just like, geez, I'm I'm the worst golfer out here. So it's like they make me feel terrible about my scores.
0: Bet money, you're having fun, more fun than everybody else though
1: Oh, absolutely. see like they they take it too serious like i'm not I'm not there trying to have fun. you know what i mean I'm there for a good time, not a long time, you know what I mean so for sure yeah I mean i, I enjoyed a lot
0: and and that's what I appreciate about you uh, so specifically, you know just to kind of run parallel to your 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 golf game, so I a lot of people don't know this fun fact about me is uh I was actually on the high school golf team. Kansas. oh yeah bro we had our own golf course uh and i was told that if i played golf then i would get out of school on fridays like the whole day because golf tourneys started at like 9 10 a.m so never played golf in my life signed up and of course i like you only a lot worse i was just going out there to have a good time to get out of school uh cut up go ham and so all these guys and gals were taking their game extremely serious and they would, you know, be angry, like the whole tournament here I am shooting well over a hundred just on cloud nine and li- li- like just loving every single moment. So uh, <laughs> I respect your mindset, man. I think yeah. uh, I, don't get it twisted though, Brad, if we ever go golfing, I will, I will talk ish on you the whole time.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's part of it. That is part of it. <laughs>
0: so we met at the first annual Volley Lama KC event, uh, benefiting Pediatric Cancer Research and NOAA's Bandage Project. And what's amazing is uh, we met through a mutual friend by the name of Amanda. Uh, I don't want to shout out her last name just out of respect to her. Uh, but she's one of the coolest chicks I've ever met. She's just a great, great friend. And I think that within the first, you know, minute of hearing what this event was, you said yes. And uh, mm-hmm. that says a lot about who you are and what you stand for. But the reason why you, in particular, are, are my favorite Royal, and you've resonated with me personally, is, you know, we got a lot of folks in society right now, Brad, as I, I assume that you're well aware, that that hold celebrities, uh, baseball players, basketball pl- athletes, uh, musicians, actors, in a very high regard, right? Because in our eyes, they've made it. They've done something that we've always wanted to do. And I've never been a gentleman that really subscribed to that. Like, I I don't care. You're not defined by a title to me. You're defined by your personality. And so, enter Brad Keller uh, to Vali Lama. And do we play pickleball for, I don't know. I mean, through the course of the night, we closed (laughs) the thing down. And I think that was your first time ever playing pickleball. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, that is. First time ever. And it showed. <laughs> oh man, I was I was not good at that game. I was trying. I was I was grinding out there, but it was a blast though. That was that was a fun that was a fun night,
0: dude. That's but that was the best part. Is uh, the people that connect with me the most, uh, and I'm sure that you're the same. Are individuals that can get out of their head and just be authentic and have a good time and not worry about what everybody's thinking of us. And that's kind of how you carry yourself, at least uh, when I met you personally and uh, in our personal interactions. Is that is that how you always been, Brad, or is it fine? Is it is it taking you time to kind of find comfort in who you actually are?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely um, like maturing over the years. I think when I when I was you know in high school. I had an older brother that was always like, you know, very protective over me. So it was like, I was hanging out with the older crowd, hanging out with them. And I never really knew, you know, I, I just like, I was always like, go with the flow type of person. Like, I was just like, you know, like, whatever, like you guys want to do this. I'm cool with it. Like I, I was just there, I was along for the ride. So it's like, I never really, you know, knew who I was. I was just always, you know, amongst people. So I never really like broke out of my shell. I was, all, I was always super shy. I was always like, you know, like I said, just whatever you guys want to do, let's do it. You know what I mean? So I think once I got into pro ball was when, you know, you kind of have to figure out who you are. You know what I mean? Like, like my, the way it happened for me, like I was 17 years old when I got drafted and I got drafted on a Friday and I was shipped out to Arizona by Sunday and like, and I had my graduation party in between. So I was like, just a whirlwind of emotions hit me at once. And I was like, Basically, when I got to Arizona, I was like, I got to figure this thing out if I really want to do this. Like, I, like it was just like a a moment to myself where I was like, okay, like if we're if we're serious about this, like we we got to yeah make a choice right now. And so that was kind of my way of like, you know, I I had to make friends, I had to like become have a personality, I had to like come out of my shell and like you know talk to people. And so I had a great group of guys that were there, and they kind of took me under their wing. Same thing with what my brother did um, you know, they kind of show me the ropes of, you know, they all played in college and whatnot. So they older than me and whatnot. And so they took me under, showed me the ropes, you know, told me, you know, how, how to go about how to carry myself and all this stuff. And I feel like as I, you know, moved up the ranks through the minor leagues, I've like took bits and pieces from everyone and, and ultimately became who I am now. And to go back to your point, as far as like, you know, people putting, you know, athletes on pedestals and whatnot, to me, I see myself as just a normal guy. like, I'm from a I'm from a small town in Georgia like I go back home in Georgia and it's like people want to like be like oh my gosh like you know you made it whatnot and it's like I I like try to shut that down because I'm like dude no like you got especially kids in high school like my I go back to my high school and help them every year and I'm just like dude I was here you know what I mean like there's no there's nothing special about me like I was where you're at right now I was pitching on the same mound playing at the same field like you can do the same thing. Like, there is no, like, I didn't do anything spectacular. It's just like, I got fortunate to be in the position I am now and, and you guys have every opportunity to do the same. So like, that's, that's kind of how I carry myself is like, you know, nose to the grindstone, you know, head down and just keep on keeping on.
0: Well, uh, I just want to call you out on something you just said. You said, uh, there's nothing special about me. And uh, for those of you that aren't tuning in uh, via YouTube, You can't see this glorious fro that this gentleman has. (laughs) Uh, I would argue that there is a lot of special things about you outside of your appearance. Uh, And we're going to delve into that. But what I appreciate about what you just said is you kind of went into the F of fun. And so if you're just tuning into the Fundamism podcast, this is a first time. First of all, welcome. Thank you. We appreciate your support. But fundamentism can be defined as the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. So whatever you do for fun, uh, and for Brad, it's golfing and being real and competitive and having a good time. uh, That's a fundamental of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. And fun is actually an acronym to me. So the F is foundation, your personal foundation, everything that makes you you, your experiences in life, whether you're a victim or a victor. And what you just went into, Brad, is is kind of going through the come up, like how you found yourself, how you found the authentic part of you. And it sounds like that growing up, you were around so many people that when you finally got to a place where you went out on your own, you were forced to kind of self-reflect and figure out who the hell do I want to be? What do I want to stand for? From what I understand, a lot of the travel life in both the minors and majors will will create that uh, that time for you where you're alone in your thoughts a lot. Is that an accurate statement? And And what is that like for you?
1: Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent right. I mean, we have you know a, a ton of time, you know, especially now being um, in the big leagues. Like, you know, we we all have our own room. Like, we we're all in our own schedule. Although we're still a team, it's still like each individual schedule. Um, and so we have a lot of times to where we're just alone by ourselves thinking. Like, um, and I think that's when ultimately, like, I, I, my I credit a lot to my parents, my family. Like, they they, I mean, obviously they gave me the core values that you know we should really truly believe in in life. And, um, you know, one thing was humility. Like they, they're basically like, you know, stay humble, no matter what, stay grounded. Like, cause as soon as you get too high, it's going to knock you back down. And it's like, you're not going to like that. So that's kind of one thing I've always taken, you know, um, you know, pretty heavily. And so when, that, whenever I got to the major leagues, it's like, you got, you kind of have a choice. You're like, you know, it's a mental choice, but you're like, do you, who do you want to be? And like, like you said when you travel when you interact with fans and you interact with people and you go and like do great events like voli lama and do um you know other events across the you know the city and you know state whatever wherever you're at it's like you have a choice on who you want to be and so um i made my choice and and you know i i think that's a credit to my parents and in my upbringing
0: Yeah, obviously, I know that they played a a significant role in it, but I know a lot of guys and gals that have tremendous families and uh, don't hold relationships as near and dear to their hearts as you do. So uh, I got to give you a little bit of credit on me because you're an individual that's present. And... um, you know, the further we we get in life and grow in life, it's easy to get distracted, right? Distracted by successes, distracted by areas of opportunity, distracted by uh, bright lights, uh, shiny objects, whatever the distraction may be. It's easy to get distracted. But uh, another thing that that has really just, I, I believe, makes you magnetic is that y- you seem to be always present, like remove, uh, an alcoholic drink once or twice in your life. Like for the most part, you're, you're present all the time. And, uh, that's why I think people want to be around you. So rewind back to Dalai Lama. Uh, this dude, I feel like such an idiot. Like I am a diehard Royals fan. Uh, I mean, I got, <laughs> dude, I got the bat to prove it. Check this out. This, this is a 2016 fan of the year, wow. of the year son. Um, and if you can't see <laughs> This is Hacksaw Jim Duggan on my shirt too, because I had to turn all the way up for this one. Um, but I'm a diehard Royals fan. Even through the years, Brad, where you probably weren't even bored yet, uh, where we were losing hundred games, uh, four out of five seasons in a row. My bo- my boy, John Stoner and I, we were following uh, the Kansas City star and to, to see who was coming up and checking out all the minors. And, and we just loved the Royals. It was our escape. So, Fast forward to Valley Lama, uh, we have 30 uh, celebrities on the stage, and I'm the one introducing everybody, and I see you. Dude, I have no freaking clue who you are. Like <laughs> You're a starting pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, which I watch all the time, and I didn't recognize you. And I think that's a testament to how you carry yourself, because you are just an everyday dude. So kudos to you, man, for staying real and humble. I greatly appreciate that, as does Kansas City. So,
1: I appreciate
0: it, yeah. Hey man, you ain't gotta appreciate me at all. Like this is <laughs> this is you doing work. So let's talk about, you know, I, I'm sporting the hacksaw, Jim Duggan. Uh I'm a gentleman that relies heavily on uh nostalgia uh for guidance in life. Like a lot of folks uh liken me to an old WWE character because that's where I got a lot of my uh my gusto. Uh right now, this is this is <laughs> The Ric Flair, uh,
1: the Nature Boy,
0: the Nate. Oh, woo! Uh, are you, on, Brad? Are you on cameo?
1: Uh, no. I need. I I'm supposed to set it up, and I need to. Dude,
0: first of all, I'll be your first customer. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Brett, right. Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips actually got me a cameo when I dropped the Fundamism book, and it was like oh, really? one of my prized possessions. Like that dude is an absolute ham. Old Maverick, as we call him
1: in the Old screen. Maverick.
0: <laughs> uh, but side note, uh, Ric Flair's on cameo and, uh, I actually got him to do a vid for fundamism as well. And that's one of my most prized possessions. So Absolutely. who did you look up to growing up, man? Like, was it Hacksaw? Was it Ricky, the Dreamboat? Was it, uh, or the steamboat? Was it Jean-Claude Van Damme? Who who were you vibing <laughs> for?
1: I mean, as far as like wrestlers? No, just period. Like who? Oh, okay. Um, you know, I, in baseball, like I, I like growing up in you know late '90s, early 2000s, the Braves. I mean, I grew up in Atlanta, so I mean, I I spent I think every single birthday from when I was probably five to twelve, I spent at a Braves game. Yes. Um, so I mean, like I I I idolized this big three, the you know Smoltz, Blav, and Maddox. Like Smoltz was probably the guy that I tried to idolize the most because I felt like he was like. I don't know the, like the most, you know, I don't want to make this sound bad towards the other guys. Cause they were all unbelievable pitchers, but like, he was like the most like, you know, intimidating, I guess. Um, and one that I could relate to cause he was a righty. Like, and you know, I wanted to throw hard and he threw hard and it was just like, that was the guy I wanted to be like. And so I kind of, I kind of imitated my game after him. And I, like, anytime he was on the mound, I, I was like running to the TV. So that was kind of one guy that I looked up to and, um, you know, really got me to be like, that's what I want to do. You know, when I, you know how, like when you're in a kid, like you write, you know, every kindergarten, first grade, second grade, they always ask you like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know what I mean? And my, my mom has this book and it literally, you like, she made us write me and my brother, she made us write like what we want to do. And, And I, we were moving two or three years ago and she found the book and she showed me and like, from kindergarten to fifth grade, it alternated every year. It's like, I want to be a pro baseball player. I want to be a pro football player. I want to be a pro baseball player, but it was like in sports. And then like fifth, sixth, seventh, it all turned into baseball. And it's like, I want to be a pro baseball player. I want to be a pro baseball player. So like, that was my dream as a little kid. And, and I think watching those guys growing up was kind of the one that like propelled me to be like, that's what I want to do. You know what I mean? So
0: Dude, so there's so many people like, especially growing up at that age, that kindergarten to, to fifth grade, everybody wants to be a police officer, a firefighter, or a professional athlete, right? And yeah, you did the damn thing. Like you made it. Like, you're <laughs> on a you're on a, a pro ball club, and uh, and are, are part of the starting five, and uh, just a, a a tremendous addition to the Kansas City staff. So um, without sounding cliche, like, I know you've probably told this story a million times, but what differentiated you from everybody else that has that goal? Like, how the hell did you make it?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's uh, the question I really, it's tough to answer. I mean, because it was like growing up, like me and my brother both played sports from, I, I think I started playing baseball at four years old and same thing with my brother. And like, I didn't give up football until my junior year of high school. And I was like, I remember, you know, talking to my dad and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna play football this year. And he was literally, I mean, he, he makes a joke to this day, but he goes, well, we'll see how that plays out for you. Cause like, I've, I've always been a big kid. So I was like, nice. he's like, you know, like, we'll, we'll see how that plays out for you. And then, um, you know, I got fortunate enough my senior year to get drafted and, and you know, be where I'm at today. But, um, you know, g- growing up, there was never really a, an option of not playing sports. Like there was never really like, uh, this is the best way I can answer this is like when I growing up, me and my brother both were like, this is what we want to do. And my brother went on and played college football and, and I went on play pro baseball, but it's like, I mean, my parents never really forced it on us, but they also never like told us like, Hey, like you, you don't have to do this. You know what I mean? Like, but it, and it got to the point to where like, we, we understood the work that had to be done to, to get put into it. So like, as long as, in our mind, as long as we you know busted our tail on and off the field and like did what we had to do, we were gonna make it. We were gonna we were gonna go as far as like our work ethic took us. Was that was like our mentality? And like we have a motto in our family, which is kind of lame, but it's like it never comes easy. Like nothing nothing ever comes easy to us. Like um, you know, both my parents own their own companies, and like they've been through the ups and downs. Like they've been through the grind. They've been from the bottom. Like, and that, and that's kind of how, where we're at, like, you know, my, my brother had a crazy, crazy recruiting story. Like I had a crazy draft story. Like,
0: so you had said that you, you had a crazy draft story. Your brother had a crazy recruiting story uh, to college, but you had a mantra and you said it's, it's silly. Uh, but the family mantra was, it never comes easy. You know how many people yeah. I've met in my life, Brad, that said, we have a family mantra. Like that is not something <laughs> that comes very often. I don't think that's
1: all. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, no, it's just like it was actually came from a Christmas gift idea. Um we have we actually have a barrel of whiskey at the uh um where I think it's Woodford Distillery or something and on it it says it never comes easy. So then it's like the color family. It's kind of cool. I mean, you they basically like made a, a whole barrel for us and and then like in 10 years or whatever after like the fermentation done, they give it to us. So it's kind of sick. So that's where it started, and you know it's kind of something that you know we all we all bought into.
0: I feel like that's the perfect start to how how you became. I'm not saying that you are, but how you became a drinker too. It was a distillery that <laughs> it said it right there. It never comes easy, and that day, man, I did the thing. <laughs> oh boy,
1: so, no
0: doubt, <laughs> dude. So speaking of never coming easy, like um, first of all, you mentioned that you've always been a big dude. You played football. And that uh, Smoltzy was the dude that you looked up to growing up because he was an intimidating figure, and you uh, just physically are an intimidating dude. So, growing up in uh, in the country uh, down in Georgia, <laughs> and uh, being an intimidating dude that was in sports, uh, did you throw hands a lot? I mean, I saw your senior picture; you were dressed, you were decked out in flannel.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, that a, was a treat! That was. <laughs>
0: But did you find yourself like did people try to come at the king a lot because you were a bigger dude?
1: No, honestly never. I mean I I've always I've always been like the you know, the friendly type. I'm I'm, a baby I'm a, bear? yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never really wanted to fight or anything like that. So I've uh I've always been, you know, as cool as I can be with everybody.
0: Except that one time, but we won't talk about that one time.
1: Yeah, we won't talk about well, that one time. you gotta bring up old stuff, Paul.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, uh, so let's get into uh, real quick. I know that you're a competitive dude. Like, um, obviously, you had never played pickleball before, and we're talking the whole <laughs> time. Uh, I asked you if you're a gamer, and you immediately start talking trash on me. Uh, I saw a video <laughs> of you on Twitter uh, related to uh, rock, paper, scissors, and you're getting angry about that. <laughs> So, uh, dude, I respect the game so much because I am that way. Like the older you get, Brad, you'll find, and people tell you this all the time, dude, I am 15 years older than you, which is absolutely nuts to think about. <laughs> but as we grow older, like the one thing I miss, like I have no regrets, dude, but I miss just the competitive nature of going out and playing a game of uh, kickball or dodgeball or or So everything that I do has some ounce of of competitiveness, whether it's bags or pickleball or whatever it may be. So I'm consistently looking for somebody to challenge me and it's getting harder and harder as I grow older. So knowing that you're a competitive dude, uh, you were drafted by the Diamondbacks. And mm-hmm. uh, and they made you susceptible to the Rule Five draft. They 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 were like, oh, he's good, but we don't know about him. So they ultimately <laughs> the Reds swooped you up,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, you were traded immediately to the Royals for cash considerations. What's going on in your head through all that stuff?
1: Yeah, that was that was nuts. So I was actually driving to workouts that morning, and I had my phone in my cup holder, and it started ringing off the hook. And I was like, what's going on? And like I knew I I knew what day it was, but I was just like, whatever. And I looked down and it was like my agent and a bunch of friends that were like, Congratulations, congratulations, all that stuff. So my agent calls me and was like, Hey man, like just to let you know, you got picked up in the rule five draft, the big league side, and he's like, uh, um, you're going to Cincinnati. And I was like, Oh, like, cool, really cool. My brother actually went to school in Cincinnati, so I was like, This is sick, like I already know the area, I know the town. Like, so I, I pick up the phone, I'm I'm calling my call my mom, call my dad, I call my brother. And as soon as I hang up with my brother, I get a phone call from my agent again. He goes, Hey man, just kidding. Like you're going to Kansas city. And I was like, I was like, wait, what? I, like literally I was, I was with Cincinnati for all of 10 minutes. Like it was, it was real quick. And then, uh, so I pick up the phone again. I start calling around and, um, you know, it was, it was just a crazy, crazy time. And then like, you know, I, obviously I was super ecstatic for it, like the opportunity and, you know, then it got to be the, the competing side where it was like, okay, like I had to make the team out of camp. I was like, I get I get one month to basically showcase who I am and you know what, like if they like they if if they like me, they like me. If not, they not. But I'm just gonna go in there and bust my tail and you know, do what I always do, just head down and do what I gotta do for that day. And so um fortunately enough they liked me and here we are
0: and your career has culminated uh, to be showcased as a guest on the Fundamism podcast, dude. Like, (laughs) You made it fam. Like, (laughs) We're here.
1: We're here. We made it.
0: (laughs) So, um, so as we start to close this thing out, like, I know it's been a whirlwind for you and uh, everybody obviously in the world right now uh, related to COVID and whatnot. And so obviously the season was, was postponed. So Mm -hmm. what's going through your head uh, as you're, first of all, Dude, you've been putting in work. Like you developed a change up, which like money, like this is yeah. exciting. Uh I'm super excited to see it, and hear all about it. But like, so now you're a four-pitch pitcher. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Hell yeah, you are. Let's go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a side note, what do you think about this mustache, dude? Like, it's like honest, elite. as a friend. What do you think?
1: I think it's elite. I think you gotta write <laughs> it out. I mean, anytime like like we talked about earlier, anytime like people get face with I'm like. Good for you, man. Cause this is, this is 24 years in the making. You can't even see it on camera. That's how bad it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you look like a goat though. Like it's like, it's like
1: just, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just right here. Just like, Hey, hang, when it gets like about, give me about another month or so, give me a little bit of hang down about like right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh God. So this is the first time, dude, I haven't had a beard in like 10 years. So I, I woke up and I was like, I'm going to rock the stash. And, uh, Three days later, my wife is asking me, how long is the stash going to be? <laughs> so maybe I'll have Ryan a 24-year story like you. Um, <laughs> but so what's going through your head is you put in all this work to develop an extra pitch to get ready for the 2020 season. And then boom, like you don't know what's going to happen. So what's that process like for you?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it was tough. Like, I mean, it was, I'm sure everybody can attest to it. Like, It's, it's very unprecedented times. Like no one's ever getting through this. No one knows what to do. Um, so when, when we were in Arizona and they first, you know, shut us down, we were a week away from breaking for camp. So like we were built up, we were ready to go like two days before we got shut down. I literally threw four innings and I threw a a fifth inning in the bullpen just to like build up pitches and stuff. Like we were, I mean, we were right there and you know, they shut us down and we actually like as a team, like we had an unbelievable camp. We really did. We had guys step up. We had a lot of players show out. Like it was, it was going to be a lot of fun and everyone was pumped. Excuse me. Everyone was pumped for the season. Um, and then, you know, unfortunate, you know, all this happened and I was still, I was still out in Arizona the whole time. Like I try to try to stick it out there as long as I could. We had a good situation out there as far as like, they let us use the mounds and let us use the fields. Um, couldn't use the facility, but you know, that's okay. Um, I'd rather be outside than inside anyway. So, um, but you know, just being out there, like we, you kind of, you know, it, it was like we had to make the most of what we had and it's like in in a way like as bad as this may sound like it was almost like a blessing in disguise like cuz as you know as a pitcher it's like it's really hard like you don't you don't want to work on too much stuff cuz you want to make sure that you're ready for the season so like your like off season throwing is more so geared towards we got to make sure we're ready by spring training and not so much so uh, we got to make sure this pitch is you know nails you know what mm-hmm. i mean so when we were built all the way up, like our arms are fresh, our arms are ready to go for, you know, 162 basically. And so whenever they shut us down, like we still, we were still built up, we were still ready to go. So like it made it easier to be able to go out there and like long toss and play catch and throw bullpens and actually work on stuff. Cause you knew like you were ready, like we were ready. And so like to be able to, you know, take that time and, and learn something like I changed up a little bit to my mechanics to make my arm feel a lot freer. I, I, you know, like you said, it worked on a change up to where, you know, I, I came here and I threw, you know, a live VP and a bullpen and, and it was, or two bullpens. And it was like really good. And, you know, I, I felt really confident in it and like, you know, just to take advantage of the time that we had, although it was, you know, a crappy situation for all, like the, the best that we could have done is, you know, get something out of it. And so um, you know, Cal, our pitching coach, was basically like, you you know, going back to the whole choices thing, he's like, you got a choice. You either, you know, pout and, you know, say this sucks and we can't really get anything done, or you, like, take advantage of the time that you have. And so, you know, with 24 hours in a day, you know, we had all the time in the world to, you know, figure stuff out to do. And that's, I mean, I, like I said, it might sound terrible, but it was it was definitely a blessing to to be able to have that time to, you know, figure out, kind of slow things down, slow down. Cause in spring training, it's go, 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 go. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like slow it down and actually realize what what you're doing, kind of be thankful for where you're at. And you know, it it was, I think it was good.
0: Dude. So first of all, that doesn't sound bad at all. Um, So before I get into that, did you look your coach dead in the eye when he was talking about you have a choice and said, coach, it's like my dad always said. And that distillery whiskey thing told us. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> <It> never comes <laughs> easy. Uh, no, I miss that one out.
0: <laughs> so, uh, you know what's amazing is you just define fundamentalism, man. Like right now in society, and we were talking before recording here that social uh, media is just an absolute train wreck, right? Everybody's yeah. trying to catch you up. Everybody's trying to troll. Everybody's opinionated. Uh, everybody just wants to be heard and, and really no one cares. Like, and mm-hmm. I, and I'm not painting with a broad brush. Like I know there's some amazing dudes and that's what, that that's what makes people like you, Brad stick out like a sore thumb is it's not as common anymore. So my point is we're going through the struggle. Like everybody's going through the struggle, like your story and finding the blessing and being able to work on a pitch or, or, you know, not being pressured to get ready for the season is a lot like my story and getting off the road and being present with my family for three months. Like this is mm-hmm. the, when can I ever say that I've had three months straight with my kids uh, to be able to be present and play in the pool and act a fool and all that stuff. Like, I think that's, that's what we're trying to accomplish with fundamentalism, man is like, yeah, there's a bunch of shit going on. Excuse my language. There's a lot of stuff going on around you that sucks. But if you look and you pay close attention, there's a lot of greatness coming around. So mm-hmm. Dude, Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that, and uh, yeah. it's even magnified even more uh, now that you're on today because uh, everybody's going through camp, everybody's working. Obviously, the season's postponed. Then MLB comes out, and they says, "All right, all right we're going to do it. We're, gonna, we're we're getting ready. July's July's the month. Uh, everybody starts to go through testing." I remember, dude, I reach out to you on Independence Day because I'm like, I wonder what Baby Bear's doing. I know he doesn't have family around. Like, I'm like I, don't, I don't want this guy to be alone. So I reach out. You were like, hey, I, I'm working out. I'll, I'll hit you up later. Two days later, man, I get the news that you tested positive. So here you are on the Fundamism podcast, literally in your home or wherever you're staying, uh, chilling with, with, with COVID. So what's that experience yeah. been like for you?
1: I mean, it's, it's been tough. Like, I mean, I don't think, uh, anyone, you know, is good at staying, you know, put for however long it's going to take. But, um, I, I, like, obviously with all the fear going on in social media, like you said, like social media is just, you know, whatever it is right now. And it's just, uh, I hate it, but like, you know, you, we don't really have anything else to do, but to, you know, surf the web or, you know, go on social media, go on Twitter, whatever. And so, you know, with all the fear and everything that, that, that comes with, you know, having this disease, it's like, you know, whenever, whenever they told me like, like, Hey, you tested positive, it was just like instantly like anxiety through the roof, like stress through the roof. Cause I just, you just don't know what, what's going to, what's going to happen with it. right? And so, um, and you hear just, you only hear horror stories and like that. And that's the thing that bothered me the most. And it was like, you know, like, all right. So I, I at this point, I'm trying to take it day by day. Like, okay, I woke up feeling great this morning. Like, okay, let's let's keep this great feeling going all day, and let's get a good night's sleep. And like, you know, try to do that. I'm trying to do the best I can. Stay occupied in here. That's that's the hardest part to me. Like, like I said at the beginning, it's like I'm the guy that has to be doing something at all times. So, like, for me to just okay sit on sit on this couch and don't move all day, and do it again the next day, and do it again the next day. It's just like like even in the off season, like I'm constantly doing stuff. Like. I'm, I'm not very good at staying in one spot at, at, for a long period of time. And so, um, it's funny. Like my parents call me every single day and we start talking, they're like, you're probably the worst that's going to happen to. Cause it's like, I, I'm, I'm like itching. Like I'm like, I, like I, I have a little balcony outside my apartment. I've literally pasted all morning just to like at least be outside. Like I'm mean, at least like getting sunlight. It's a beautiful day here in Kansas city. So it's like, I would love to be doing something right now, but I can't. So that's like the best I can do. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it, it's tough. But, you know, like, positive mindset is the way to get through this. Like, if you, you know, sit there and, like I said with Calto, is like, you if you sit there and pout and, like, oh, man, this sucks. Like, why me? Why this? It's like, it's, you're just not going to get better. But if you're, like, sitting there, like, okay, like, I can be productive with my time that I have. Like, they, the Royals have sent me a bunch of stuff. And, like, they're sending me some stuff so I can get a head start on my scattering reports for this season. Like, you know, be productive with my time to the point where I'm, like, wow, like now that took three hours out of my day, like sick, you know what I mean? Like, and I got, I I got what I had to get done. And like, you know, you get your mind off things. And that's ultimately like, I was telling someone this morning, it's like, if if I sit here on the couch and I constantly like think about, Oh my gosh, like I have COVID, whatever. And it's like, you almost give yourself symptoms. You're almost like, Ooh, like kind of struggling breathing or like, Oh, I don't really feel that great. But it's like, no, like as I've like walked around today, like I remember waking up this morning being like, "Wow, I feel great!" And then I, I came and sat on the couch for a while, and I was like, "Ah, like I'm, you know, whatever." And then I was like, "You know what? Screw that!" Like, got some food, walked around, you know, talked on the phone for a while, and now I feel perfectly normal. It's mm-hmm. like it, it's just a mindset thing to me. I mean, obviously, I know like it, it hits people differently, and I know that like some people are struggling, and some people don't even have any symptoms, and it's like, but if. It, To me, like the mind is such a powerful thing. And like, and when you tell yourself like, Hey, I'm going to be okay. Or, Hey, let's grind through this. You know, I, I think that's a, that's a great way of passing time and great way of grinding through this.
0: 100% dude. Um, and I'm just going to slip in, just slip it under the door here too. And (laughs) if you hanging out with me for an hour, probably didn't get you.
1: What's up? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is outstanding. (laughs) You want, hey, I can do this tomorrow, same time. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: You know what? Uh, for those of you listening guys, so uh, we're starting to wrap this bad boy up. For those of you listening, you guys are getting a great indication of why Brad Keller is the perfect fundamentalism champion. Like he, he doesn't know what fundamentalism is outside of being exposed to it through me, but he lives it every single day. And he just said it like the mind could be a terrible place. And you can see and feel whatever the hell you want to. Like, if you see the worst in a day, that's exactly what you see, right? I worst. can, dude, I can relate so much to what you're talking about related to the COVID stuff because I'm not very proud of it, but like with society opening up more, like, dude, I was like, I was on it. Like our family wasn't going around anybody. I was in our bubble. Uh, we were in our bubble. We weren't, we weren't getting, ta- we weren't even getting takeout, dude. I wasn't going to the gym. I wasn't doing anything. I would like, I would grab a package off the porch, uh, wipe it off or sit it in the garage for 48 hours and wash my hands immediately. Like we were extreme. And then society starts to open back up. And so what happens? My mindset changes. So now I'm like, oh, maybe it's cool to get the families together. We'll social distance. We'll be aware. But truth be told, you know how it is. Like you're not Mm -hmm. always aware. You're not always uh, conscious of it. And so my point in saying all of this, Brad, and forgive me for, for running over and, and talking too much, but uh, my point in saying all of that is now that I'm a- around more people, like I'll feel a tickle in my throat and I'll be like, oh, oh yeah. shit, I wonder if I got it. Or I just don't feel right. Like, do I feel warm, honey? Do I feel warm? And like, you're just in your head, right? So I really admire what you're saying in terms of, uh, the mind can be a prison. It, it, it could be something that lifts you up. It could be something that tears you down. And so uh, if you guys are listening in, uh, and Brad, I invite you to as well. My pinned tweet right now on uh at Fundamism Paul in the Twitter account is a little a little vid called Get Out of Your Head. Uh, and it's just that internal dialogue that we tell ourselves each and every single day and how you could flip it around. So. Hey, last thing I wanna to talk to you about, Brad. Um, you're not just an incredible guy that's freaking funny and like amped and like authentic, but you got one of the biggest hearts. And um, at Valley Lama, I don't know what happened, but we're having a good time. And you look at me and I look at you and I go, dude, you know what you are to me? And you said, I don't know, what am I? And I say, you're my baby bear. And I don't know <laughs> why. I, I have no freaking clue why I called you baby bear. But now Chase from Charlie Hustle calls you Baby Bear. Like you'll forever be known as Baby Bear to me. And I cannot wait till, you, uh, till we have the nickname day on the jerseys. I know you're going to go with that someday. It doesn't have to be this year. It doesn't have to be 2022. But when I see Baby Bear, I'll be like, you're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. So uh, Big Heart, pediatric cancer. But you also do a ton of work uh, with uh, human trafficking, which is – is not something that everybody, like, I don't hear a lot of athletes getting into. So when I think about fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle, one that doesn't get, in, get talked about enough is gravitating towards helping others and, and using a platform to lift other people up. So why did you choose human trafficking as uh, a 501c3 or as a, a cause that mattered to you?
1: Yeah. So, um, back home in Flyer Branch, there is, a. Uh where my hometown sits is between two major highways and Atlanta is one of the biggest like human trafficking zones. Cause we have the largest airport. We also have one of the largest ports down in Savannah. Like we have the, the thing, Georgia is just like a hotbed for it. And so um, when I was in high school, my uh, one of my teachers, you know, kind of opened our eyes to it. And I was like, you know what? Like it, it's just a tragedy with what those kids have to go through. And they don't even know like um, and, and like, she kind of showed us some ways that we could help out. And so I was like, you know, in on that. And then once I got to to be this point, the opportunity came to me. I was like, absolutely. I want to jump on that. Like some crazy stuff has happened in my hometown, um, with it. And so, you know, i it hits, it hits way too close to home for me to where I was like, I can't ignore this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I get it. I get an opportunity. I get a platform. I'm able to actually go out there and, and use my voice to help out. Um, and like I said, if it hits way too close home, so I'm like, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be, um, known for doing in the community. And and I just want to help out as much as I can. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think, uh, the pool host is for what what the organization that they put on. And, um, I'm happy that I'm able to at least help out and, you know, bring awareness to people and, and able to, you know, hopefully do a lot more to the community and stop human trafficking.
0: Dude, I mean, you're an absolute G. I mean, it's not just obviously human trafficking. You, uh, you've you said yes to a number of different Noah's Bandage Project events and, and uh, raising awareness for pediatric cancer research. I saw you out doing the thing with the Tyron uh, Mathau organization. Obviously, you were your foundation. I know that you were on the, the radio doing that telethon. So, dude, I, I just appreciate you so damn much. And uh, <laughs> my challenge to you as you're sitting around with nothing to do, stop freaking ducking me and get on these sticks, son. <laughs> Let this old man show you a little bit of work. (laughs) All right, let's get it. I mean, that's the only thing I can do right now. Brad, uh, (laughs) any um, outside of it never comes easy. Let's close with something fun, man. I'm going to give you an opportunity now. Uh, We're going to do a little two truths and a lie in closing. All right. You got to think of uh, of two truths about yourself and a lie in no particular order. And I got to guess which one the lie is. So two truths and a lie. I'm giving you time to think about it as he's thinking about it. To the Fundamism Podcast listener, we greatly appreciate your support. Go out and have some fun in your life today and create some fun in the lives of others. Our guy Bradley Keller the Kansas City Royals does it on the reg. He's right now with us fighting COVID at home. And uh, I just greatly appreciate you being here, man. So two truths and a lie. Give it to me. All
1: right, Um. right. Let's see. I grew, up, I grew up wakeboarding my whole life. Okay. Um, I can sing the alphabet backwards, and I enjoy reading. All right.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with the lie is, for some reason, I think that you know how to do the alphabet backwards. I think that the lie is uh, that you grew up wakeboarding. No. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. The disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> it's reading. Oh, dude, you don't read. You don't even know how to read. What do you mean? I love reading. That's for real. do. have you read this book right here? Uh no, dude. I haven't. Not yet. You know this. You I'm- know this bad boy, this fundamentalism book right now is on Audible. Guess guess who narrates it? Shaboy. Holler at a player <laughs> when you see him in the streets. <laughs> Uh, oh, so you man. don't know how to say the alphabet backwards. That's a shame, dude. I definitely would have thought you knew how to do that. So,
1: no, no, other, no, no, no,
0: you are my guy. I cannot wait to see you uh, on the outside of all of this. Thanks for coming on, dude. It means a lot to me. Um, go out, have some fun today as much as you can, just chilling on your patio, talking mess on them 12 year olds. On <laughs> uh, the fun of the podcast listener, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Until next time, deuces.